0: Today is January 19, and our text for today, the chapter reading for today, is chapter 37. In chapter 37, we are introduced to one of the most amazing figures in all of the Bible. His name is Adding in English, but in Hebrew, it is Yosef, Joseph, Joseph. And when you hear the story of Joseph, it will perk your ears up because it is an incredible story of a young man who was sold into slavery, betrayed by his brothers, and for years he was alone, he was abandoned, he was betrayed again, and God had a plan all along. This is part of the great story of God of Jacob, Joseph, and his brothers. When we open up chapter thirty-seven, the scripture says, "Now Jacob dwelled in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan." This is the history of Yaakov, of the one who is the manipulator, the one who is the trickster. But as you will recall, he met God, wrestled with God, and God changed his nature, changed his name, and now Jacob is a brand new man, and Joseph. Is 17 years old. Now that's important as a historical note because we know that Joseph was 30 years of age when he began to rule over Egypt. He was 30 years of age. And so that is 13 years after the opening of chapter 37. Thirteen long years of betrayal, of abandonment, of being forgotten, of being misjudged, maligned, lied about. All of these things as a young man. Now remember, Joseph even wasn't considered a man at age 17. The biblical age of manhood, check it all the way through the Bible, is 20 Not 16, not 17, not 18, not 21, but 20. And the greatest example of that, just so you will understand that I'm not just making this up, God held everyone to a greater accountability from the day they turned 20 years of age. They were considered a man ready to war, ready to go out to battle. And when the children of Israel rebelled against God and would not go into the promised land, the scripture says, that those who were 20 years of age and above, that is, they had turned 20 on their birthday, none would enter into the promised land save Joshua and Caleb. And so the accountability is different before age 20 as it is from 20 and above. And I often tell moms and dads, but especially moms, after your son is 20, Don't talk to him like he is a teenager. Often mothers will rebuke me and say, well, if he acts like a teenager, I'm going to treat him like a teenager. Well, that's not your decision to make because God no longer looks at that person as less than a man in age and accountability. Now God looks at him different. And if God speaks to him different, talks to him different, acts differently toward him, a different accountability, it would behoove all of us to follow God's lead and begin to talk to young men as men when they turn 20, and that will add to the respect factor to those who speak to them. Now back to Joseph. God is about to fulfill what he said to Abram back in chapter 15. Abram was not Abraham yet, he was still Abram. And in chapter fifteen, when the great covenant was made that we have discussed and read about, God said something, but he did not say, how he was going to bring something to pass. He just said what he was going to do. And so he says in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 10, Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, that is, God said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs that was Egypt, and will serve them, that is, slavery. And they will afflict them, that is, the Egyptians will afflict your lineage 400 years. And also, the nation whom they served, that they were enslaved by, I will judge afterwards, they shall come out with great possessions. Primarily, why did God send the people, the descendants of Jacob, The descendants of Isaac, the descendants of Abraham, why were they sent into Egypt? It is because God needed to raise up a multitudinous nation, a populated nation that would have never happened in Canaan. You say, how do you know that? Then God would have left them there. He put them in Egypt so that they could prosper, which they did under Joseph, so that they could multiply, which they did under Joseph and thereafter. And so that they could one day be brought out with a strong and a mighty hand so that God would receive glory and they could go to Canaan at the right time, conquer the land when the time was right, and they would go out with great riches because God would grant them favor with the people. You see, God knows what he's doing. Many times when we see circumstances around us swirling and we say, how could God allow this? How could God allow that? God, many times, puts us in places of hardship, places of trial, hard places that are not to our liking, so that he can do a miraculous rescue in our lives. That's exactly what he did with the children of Israel. God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of sin, of course, but God does allow bad things to happen to his people. And the reason is so that God can do something miraculous and supernatural that otherwise his people would not be ready for him to do. Sometimes God has to put us in seclusion because he is not ready for us to be in the open public. This happened all the way through the scriptures. The scriptures in the Old Testament are replete with this. Same thing is true in the New Testament. That's why Jesus was not revealed until age 30, because God had a time and a season. The same reason the Apostle Paul had to go into Arabia. For three years by himself. Why? Because God was doing something. This is why the Bible says of Elijah, God said, go here, go there. And God fed him with a raven. God fed him with the food of a widow, miraculously. All of these things, God continually says, hide yourself, then show yourself. But the fact is we don't like the hiding part. We like to be in the open. We like to be where the action is. But many times before we can be where God's action is, we have to be in seclusion. And so God is fulfilling his promise he made to Abram in chapter 15. Your descendants are going to be in a strange land. He didn't tell him which land. He didn't tell him why or anything else. But now we are finding out the rest of the story. And so so Joseph is going to be sent ahead of all of his family to prepare a way for him. And many times it seems like that everything is going the wrong way, but God is in the business, God is in the habit. It is God's way to take what looks like an impossible situation, and turn it around for His glory and for our good. This is the pattern of Romans 8 and verse 28. But God works all things for good. That doesn't mean all things are good, but God takes all things and works them for good so that you and I can become what God wants us to be. Well, Joseph is 17 years old, and he is a brash young 17-year-old and his father is favoring him. That's bad news anytime. And these were brothers that were half brothers and full brothers and it was a mixed multitude of brothers and Joseph was the apple of his dad's eye and everyone knew it and he even gave him better clothes than he did his brother's special clothes. And then Joseph didn't help himself when he started speaking about the dreams that he had. Sometimes it's just better to keep things to yourself. But Joseph, he didn't understand that and God even used that so that later he could remind them these boys, these brothers of what Joseph had said. And the Bible says that happened with Jacob and with his brothers. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers. This is verse 5 of 37. And they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I've dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. That is, they were out with flax or barley or wheat and they were binding up in bundles. That's what they were doing. That's the way it used to be like we used to put up loose hay on the farm. Then behold, my sheaf, Joseph said, arose and stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, So shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for the fact that he told them his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him. Jacob said, Now wait just a minute. What is this dream you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I, your brothers indeed, come and bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept this matter in his mind. His father kept this matter in his mind is in italics. That means it's not in the text, but there to help make sense. Do you remember what happened when all of the things happened that surrounded the birth of Jesus and all the things that were said? The Bible says that people marvel, but Mary pondered these things in her heart. You see, God told those parents, Mary and Jacob, well, there may be something to this. You know, I work in mysterious ways, and that's exactly what he did. And the story goes on. His brothers went out to feed their father's flock in Scheme. This was north of where they were by about 50 miles from Hebron and the valley of Hebron up to Shechem. You have to walk that patriarchal highway from Hebron up by Bethlehem, Jerusalem, Bethel, Shiloh, Gerizim, all the way to Shechem, about 50 miles. And so a certain man, verse 15, found him, that is Joseph, and he was just wandering around in the field, probably wondering where next. So he said, to him, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding. And the man said, They have departed from here, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. Now, Dothan is a valley about fifteen miles farther north. And so indeed, you can see in that Dothan Valley, the Valley of Dothan, you can see that people coming to you a good ways off. They were in the middle of the valley. They saw Joseph and they said, look at this. Here comes that dreamer. Let's see what becomes of his dream. So they conspired against him. You know the story. What they did is they grabbed him. They took his coat off of him that he had been bragging about and wearing around. They threw him into a pit, probably a cistern. When they did that, they were going to decide what they were going to do, leave him in the pit or let him die or whatever. And the scripture says in verse 25, they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted up their eyes and there was a company of Ishmaelites, sons of Ishmael. Now in verse 28, you will see that these Ishmaelites are called Midianites. You say, well, which is right? Yes, They are one and the same. And these Midianites had come from across Jordan in what's called Gilead. They had crossed at the crossing just below the Jezreel Valley, had come in the eastern end of the Jezreel Valley, had come to a pass. I can show you where the pass is to this day that would lead you into the valley of Dothan, Dothan. And then from that valley, you can make an exit that leads you into the coastal plain and the Via Maris, the way of the sea that leads down the coastal plain through the valley of Sharon, the Sharon Valley, this valley of Sharon, past Joppa, the old seaport, then down to Ashkelon, Ashdod, all the way down through those cities to Gaza and then into Egypt. And that's exactly where they were going. So the brothers took out Joseph from the pit, they sold him to these Midianites and they took the they killed an animal, blooded up the coat, took it back to Jacob. And now Joseph is on his way to Egypt, and we come to verse 36 of. Chapter 37, the very last verse says, Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, and the captain of the royal guard of Pharaoh's guard. He was part of the secret service. He was the one that was the leader of all of the secret service of Pharaoh. And Joseph was sold to him. And the story continues. God took In the chapters ahead, what his brothers meant for evil, Joseph will one day stand before them and say, what you meant for evil, God means for good. Now, what does this say to you? What does this say to me? First of all, God's in control of history. And if God's in control of history, that means he's in control of your life and mine. If we will surrender to His will and understand that nothing is going to happen in our lives that God cannot ultimately use for good. Yes, even what people mean for bad. Because you see... People, governments, brothers, sisters, relatives, enemies, friends, do not have the last say in our life. God does. And we need to just bow before him right now and say, Lord God, whatever you want for my life, that's what I want. Protect me, guard me, and whatever comes into my life, let me trust you even as Joseph did. And for 13 long years, Joseph went from the... The frying pan into the fire from one trial through another, but he never gave up. He knew that his God had already touched his life and he was going to be faithful to do what God had put upon his heart and he had known from a boy to do and let God take care of the rest. And oh, did God take care of the rest. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp.